Revelation chapter number 9, verse number 1, we're going to see the first of these three woes. Let's read, and we'll read from verse 1, and we'll, we'll read the, the chapter out. Revelation 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and upon them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seals of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of the scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days he shall find men, in those days shall seek, men shall seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth was as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there become two more woes after. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and for a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and of brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as heads of lions, and out of the mouths issued fire, and smoke, and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their paws in their mouth, and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor talk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do just thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. We thank you, Lord, that... Again, these things that we read, uh, Lord, horrific conditions, things that are happening on earth during the tribulation period are not to be taken lightly, Lord. And we can't imagine some of these things. Lord, thankfully, we'll never experience them. But there are those that will. And Lord, we want to remember that and 
We want to be urged in our evangelism as we read these words of prophecy. Lord, these things that will come. It's not an if, it's not a but, it's not a maybe. They will come. And Lord, if you were to come this very day, Lord, this period would come soon after and there would be those that we love that would go through this. Lord, as we delve into the scripture tonight, help us to see what you would have us to see. Help us not to sensationalize these things and to get carried away with, uh, uh, Lord, just rabbit trails of what these things mean, but help us just to stay true to the text. And Lord, help us to see what you would have us see. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are into the latter half of the trumpet judgments. If you remember, as we were dealing with the judgments, you've got the seal judgments, one, two, three, four, five, six. The seventh seal, when it was opened, opened up into the seven trumpet judgments. Remember, they're telescopic in nature. You're, this is, you're bringing, at this point, we're coming up to the midpoint of the tribulation period. This uh, uh, trumpet judgments bring us right up to the, the midpoint. And we looked at the first four uh, trumpets and we looked at, you know, the horrific conditions and what was going on there, you know, and, and how a quarter of the population is, is lost there. Now we move into these third or this, these three woe uh, trumpets, if you like. And, and, and the reason that they're marked out is because they're so horrific. And there's a change here. There's a change in what's happening and how these judgments are because what we're moving into now is the demonic realm being brought into play. The, the other ones were very earthly in their nature um, and the things that were going on, whether it be from the, you know, the stellar heavens colliding with, with earth and changing the topology or whatever it may be. Um, here we're dealing with a, a whole new realm. A demonic realm, and we're going to see that. So let's look at the first uh, trumpet, uh, woe, or the fifth trumpet, sorry, uh, in Revelation 9 and verse number 1. And what we want to notice straight away is the place of these demons, and they are demons. Because when we get their origin point, we understand who they are after that. Because we're going to look at some of these verses, and there's been all sorts of claims made. We're going to have a look at the, this army of 200 million. And there's been loads of claims made by different folks that say this is the Chinese because the Chinese at one point said they could raise an army of 200 million. And, of course, they, they tie and get all over the place with the kings of the east and stuff, which is a bit later on in Revelation. But I want us to first and foremost see where these things, we'll call them things for now, uh, are, are demonic. They come from the bottomless pit. That's the place where they come from and it says the fifth angel this is verse one sounded and i saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth now we've looked at the star before and sometimes it's literal a star is a star other times in scripture it can refer to angels you'll see that in in, in job you see it in other places um here this uh, star i think refers to an angel it's not a star as in a thing an animate object with no personality. It, it, it's, it's personality behind it. Why do I say that? Because it says. So scripture is very good. At when it's given us something that, that uh, um, may be ambiguous, it'll give us something to qualify it as to whether it's literal or figurative 
or it's, uh, you know, in this case, it's uh, an angel because it says, I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth and to him was given a key. So, you know, we can't give keys to stars in the sky. So, you know, it's not, it's not hard now to know that what Scripture was talking about is for sure um, some form of angelic being because that's the other reference we have in the body of Scripture for star. So, who is the star? Some people will try and say that this is Satan. Remember, uh, Christ himself says, I beheld Satan, or Lucifer, fall uh, from, from the sky. Uh, Luke ten eighteen. I beheld Satan as, a, as lightning fall from heaven. Um, but this, I don't think, can be uh, Satan because we're going to, well, you know, when we get there in Revelation, well, let's turn there actually just so that I can back up what I'm saying. I'm conscious that we're going to get to these points, but it's further enough down the book. So Revelation 20, verse 1 to 2. Revelation 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Verse 3, cast him into the bottomless pit. You know, it's not very good to cast a prisoner into the bottomless pit if he already has a key for that. It doesn't make sense, does it? So this angel is, is, is not Satan. And again, um, Satan at this time isn't cast to the bottomless pit, Revelation 9. We did this in our studies, remember. He's cast from his position as the anointed cherub. So he's lost his position in heaven, but he still has access to heaven. We looked at the, the three heavens, if you remember, in our studies. So this is, this is not Satan. This is another angel. Who is the angel? Uh, scripture doesn't say so we, we leave it there, but it's one of God's uh, heavenly angels. And he's sent with the key of the bottomless pit. And what happens? He opens the bottomless pit. And there arose, this is verse 2 of Revelation uh, chapter 9, there arose out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke and pit. So here we're dealing with the bottomless pit. This is, I believe, where the fallen angels are confined not all the fallen angels there are two types we touched on this when we looked at the three heavens there are those that are free that are able to operate in our environment and there are those that are bound there are those that are in the bottomless pit they're confined and the confined angels are in the bottomless pit um, turn to 2 Peter chapter number 2 You may have heard of Tartarus. You may have heard of this in, in Greek mythology. Um, well, now we'll deal with it in the biblical uh, theology. Tartarus is not hell, but it is the bottomless pit, the, the deepest pit. 2 Peter chapter number 4, uh, verse 5. Or sorry, chapter number 2, sorry. 2 Peter chapter number 2, and verses 4 to 5. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell... And deliver them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. That word hell there is really uh, Tartarus. It's only used once in scripture and it's found here. And in Greek literature it refers to the darkest, deepest pit of gloom. 
And, you know, we read here from Peter that these angels have sinned and they're cast down to Tartarus, to the deepest pit. Let's paraphrase it and say to the bottomless pit and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. If you turn to Luke chapter number 8, the demoniac of Gadara, Luke chapter number 8, verse 26, with the, the concept of Tartarus, this bottomless pit, the abyss, if you like, is uh, supported. Luke chapter number 8 and verse uh, 26. And when they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, the Son of God Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not. Now at this point, it's not the man speaking. It's the demonic host that have possessed him. These were free angels. And free angels are still at that work today. And this man is possessed. And oftentimes, I think you'll find when you look into uh, the kind of historical records and, and things and events, certainly in darkest pagan lands, there's a, there's, there is where missionaries will tell you of things they have seen that people possessed have done that are completely supernatural. And oftentimes there's multiples of, of demons. And it's like they go around in hordes. But here, uh, Jesus, verse 30, asked him, says, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And when they had besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. So here, they, they recognize who Christ is. Son of the Most High. Jesus says, What's your name? And we say, Legion, because we are many, many devils. And, and verse 31, they besought him. Literally, they beseeched him. Literally, they begged him that they, he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now, this is not because they're afraid of water, but deep there is abuso, abyss. It's the bottomless pit. Who are already in the bottomless pit? The confined fallen angels. These angels are free, and they are terrified that Christ will send them to the confinement, the abyss, Tartarus, the deepest pit, if you like, the bottomless pit. That ultimately, as we've read in Revelation 20, is confined is for Satan's judgment ultimately. So we have these angels in the, in the bottomless pit. What would cause them to go there? If you read in, in Jude chapter number, chapter, <laughs> verse 6 and 7 of Jude, um, it says that they um, left their first estate. Let's turn there. Let's read it. Let's read it. Jude 6. It's when you know if somebody reads their Bible, you ask them to turn to Jude chapter 2. <laughs> two, two or three of us read our Bible there and know, know what that meant. Okay, so, uh, dear. Jude, verse uh, 5, verse 6, sorry. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, hath he reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of of the great day. This is the bottomless 
pit for seven, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves into fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. What did these angels do? They left their first estate, their position of authority. Uh, they left their habitation. Their position, their place, and then it tells us in verse 7 about their perversion. I believe personally, and I know there are others different than this, that Genesis 6 is a reference to this. That the uh, fallen angels that were free committed sin that was so grievous to God that he refined those particular angels to the bottomless pit, the abyss. What happened? Genesis 6, you can read it in your own time, where I believe that these fallen angels came on to the the daughters of men. They, They mingled with God's creation. They polluted it, the genetic code. This was part of Satan's uh, plan, I believe, to, to, to mix things and pollute things. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to fall out with anybody that believes that, that uh, these um, slightly differently on this. But I do believe this explains a lot of what we call in mythology demigods. You know, there's a lot of stuff there. And it may be, it, you know, it's grown arms and legs, but there's something behind it going back. What is it? I believe that it's this. And God was so grieved at this that these angels that had already been cast out of their first position are now cast into the bottomless pit, the abyss. Now, some people have speculated that this bottomless pit is what is referred to as the gulf between uh, Hades and Abraham's bosom, paradise. And you know, we don't have time to do that. We'll probably do that a little bit later on in the studies, and we'll, we'll get a picture up of it. And you know, Jesus, when he when he goes down, he preaches. And does he across this, this gulf? It's a gulf that can't be passed between the two sides. Paradise, that place where people were waiting for the cross, for Christ to come and lead captivity captive. Hades is the holding cell where all those that have died are waiting for the judgment, not the famous seat of Christ, but the great white throne judgment. They're on remand waiting for the, the, the judgment. And there's a gulf between the two. Some people have posited that this bottomless pit is the gulf between the two. And uh, you can think about that in your, your own time and have a look at it. So back to Revelation chapter uh, number 9. So the origin of these demons is the, is the bottomless pit. They're demonic and everything else that comes from this origin point is demonic. So that's our starting point, And we stay with that. Even when we're tempted to go down little rabbit trails that'll say, Oh, some of these things, they, they look like tanks. Or they, they, you know, the description might be a helicopter or whatever it may be. Helicopters don't come out of the bottomless pit. They come from man's hands. So we're not dealing with anything human here. This is supernatural, demonic Forces, And you say, well, I haven't seen anything like this before. When we look at this, the description of these things, the locusts with faces and all that sort of stuff. And that doesn't seem like anything we see in our world because we live in the natural world. And this supernatural world, for the majority, is hidden to most. Of course we've seen nothing like it. Of course we don't have a reference point where we can say, oh, yes, I remember seeing one of them at Chester Zoo. We can't, we won't. And thankfully we'll be gone whenever they are on earth. And actually, I don't even personally believe that, that the, the, the humans that are alive on earth can actually see these things. But that's a different story. So that's their place. What about their purpose? Look at verse uh, f- 3. 
says, And there came out of, this is Revelation 9, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And you say, well, pastor, look, it says locusts there. Um, they must be uh, actual real locusts. Well, we're going to have a look at the description. If you can find me a locust that looks like any of the stuff that's about to come up, we'll talk. It says that unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. It is said, I don't know because I never experienced it and don't want to experience it, that the scorpion sting is one of the most painful on earth. The venom does um, things to the body that puts it in tremendous pain. It's meant to shoot through all the kind of uh, vein system and make it feel like it's on fire. You're literally firing your veins. Now, not often deadly, but it is meant to be one of the most severe in terms of pain. So this demonic legion that is unleashed has this type of uh, um, power that they're able to uh, sting. And it says, verse 4, It was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. I love that. It was commanded them. Because we're going to see this is an unleashing of, of the demonic realm. But yet, who's in charge? God. God's in charge. God's in charge. They can go as far as God will let them. And it was commanded them they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men that have not the seals of God in their foreheads. So God is using this demonic host for his purposes. And the people that are going to suffer are not the people that have come to save in faith during the tribulation that have the seal of God upon them. It is the unbeliever. And they are going to suffer. How are they going to suffer? Well, they're not going to die. God is gracious, even in this punishment. Verse 5. Unto them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And the torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. So again, that's going back to verse 3 there. But notice what it's saying. It's that they won't die, but they're going to be tormented for five months. Five months of the most agonizing pain imaginable. They won't die. Even though they want to die. Look at verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. Shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. God is in control here. This is a supernatural outworking of God's plan and his program. This demonic realm uh, is opened up. And this legion of these demons goes forth. And they're able to strike at men and strike them and torment them for five months. And men will cry out to try and end the pain. And they won't be able to because God is in control. And this is all part of his program. And you think, well, why is he doing this? Why would he five months of torment? Does God delight in taking uh, you know, the punishment of people? Does he delight in seeing people suffer? We've got to remember where we are here. You've got to remember what's already happened. And we've seen the response of men, haven't we? That they say, rocks fall on us. Rather, Savior, Savior, save us. They say, rocks fall on us. We don't want you, God. Let's just end it here. There's rebellion in the heart of these people. But God is putting them through pain that they might look up. 
and see the only hope they have is in God. Now you might you may think by this point that something must have clocked onto them that something is happening here. All the things that they've seen up until this point, heading up to the pinnacle of this first three and a half years. Remember, this isn't like you know, it's in the news and then it's gone and we move on to the next thing and we forget about it because it was so many years ago. This is three and a half years and it's boom, boom, boom. And yet men are still rebelling. So God sends out this woe, five months of pain. But after the five months, there is opportunity to do what? During the five months, there's opportunity to do what? Call upon the name of the Lord. So God is gracious even in this. They shook the fist at him. He could have just wiped them out. But no, he's trying to bring them back to him. You know, we're going to enter into the millennium and we're going to see that the majority of these people that won't turn to God have been wiped out. But it's not because God hasn't given opportunity. He has given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He's gracious. And even in this five months of pain... There's tremendous grace. Now I think there's a tremendous lesson for us as believers today and for non-believers that when we go through times of pain, it's an opportunity for us to look up and remember the grace of God. The pain can be a platform to glorify God and magnify God and call upon his name. Five months of torment for these folks Anguish. Now the language we're going to see as we move on. Verse 7 tells us, And the shape of the locusts were like unto horses. So pictorial. Remember, John is, is doing his best. He's doing his best. But we would do no better because we have no point of reference for this. We, can, we have no, no prior examples of seeing these things that John is seeing. And neither did John. So he's seeing what he, what he sees. He's doing his best with what he knows. And he tells us that they're like unto horses prepared unto battles. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. You find many locusts that look like this today. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses run into battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. There were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And people will say, well, you know, here, this, this, this is John. And, you know, isn't this just like some of the military weaponry we have today? You know, there was, there was the big bombers that be... What's the big American bomber? Big 52s. They thought it was that because it's armoured at the front with the back end where the, the bombs come out. Some people say it's, you know, Apache helicopters. That's what it looks like and all that sort of stuff. Remember, let's get back to where they came from. Not from a factory, but from the bottomless pit. And remember, any invention of man is just a pale comparison to what God has already designed in and through nature. God is the ultimate architect. So these locusts, you know, are they machines? Absolutely not. They're supernatural, demonic things from the bottomless 
pit. And they have a king over them. Look at verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. Both names mean destruction or destroyer. So they have this kind of chief angel. Obviously he's one of uh, Satan's hierarchy. Maybe the equivalent of Michael the archangel of the demonic side of things, but he's the one that's in charge. So it's, it's, it's awful. And this, this time, this first woe, five months... And whether men can see this or not, I'm not particularly sure. It doesn't say they do, it doesn't say they don't. But again, this is the spiritual realm. And men at this time are blinded to these things. So regardless of whether they see them or not, the facts are that they are tormented five months by these things. That's the first woe. Let's move on. Chapter 9 verse 12 we're going to have a look then at the next woe one woe was passed and behold there become two more woes hereafter so here we have the sixth trumpet being sounded and the sixth angel sounded and i heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar we looked at the golden altar last week we looked at the golden altar in the tabernacle it's a place where uh, incense was offered as a picture of prayer prayers have gone up before god verse 14 saying to the sixth angel which is the trumpet loose the four angels which are bound in the great river euphrates so let's have a look at the place of these demons it says loose the four angels which are bound which are held in the great river of the euphrates the euphrates is all over scripture it's the great river of boundaries it gives you israel's boundary it gives you uh, one of egypt's boundaries it was a, a boundary in babylon uh, also it was a boundary in the garden of eden um euphrates and and what went on there is very central biblically uh, you know when you look at Early civilization, you look at uh, Euphrates being referenced there from the Garden of Eden out. You look at uh, Babylon, you look at the Tower of Babel in the, in the Euphrates, Babylon area. From the Tower of Babel, from Nimrod, you get the occult, the, the real uh, commercialization of idolatry, if you like. This is Satan's empire beginning with Nimrod and its tentacles go out from Babylon all the way to today. You will look around and have touched on this, all the kind of pagan and false religions all the occult practices you wind them back through history you will get to the starting point of Babylon when we get to Revelation in the tribulation period Babylon has risen once again we'll see this a bit later on in our studies it's the commercial center for the Antichrist empire and here we find the Euphrates being mentioned again in association with this woe these four angels were loose which were prepared for an and for a day and for a month and for a year to slay, get this, the third part of men. Now, quick mathematics. We left off last week and we'd cut off approximately 2 billion people. That leaves us with 6 billion people, roughly, on the earth. If the Lord to come back now, if the Lord was to tie another 100 or 200 years, who knows how many billions of people will be on the earth? But just say, for talking sake, it was to happen now. We've already lost two. We're down to six. And what do we hear now? That these angels that have been prepared for this day and for this hour are let loose to slay the third part of men. Six divided by three is... 
2. So by the end of this, we're going to be down to 4 million people. That means in, in a three and a half year period, half of the world's population has been wiped out. This is how serious this time is. This is not a time that God's people will go through. This is, this is not like anything seen before. In three and a half years, and remember, you say, well, what the flood? You know, there was millions of people wiped out there. There was, but that was instantaneous. This is three and a half years of misery, depression, recession, and everything else that goes with it. And power is given to this demonic horde that are led by these four angels to take away the third part of men. And the number of the army, this is verse 16 of Revelation 9, the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000. That's 200 million. 200 million. Wow. Wow. What a time. What's the purpose? They're to go out and they're to kill the third part of the men. Verse 17, And I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, of jacinth, of brimstone, the heads of horses, even as the heads of lions. Out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. These are the, 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 the language of judgment. Fire, smoke, and brimstone. It's judgment that's happening upon the earth. Verse 18, By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. My goodness me. My goodness me. Two billion people are going to die by this very means. Two billion souls are going to perish by fire, by brimstone, by the smoke. Horrendous, horrendous. Verse 19, for the powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and they had heads and with them they do hurt. Verse 20, and the rest of the men which are not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands. Yet repented not. I mean, honestly, I don't know what you think about that when you read it. It's like, what does it take? What does it take? But you have to understand that these people have swallowed a lie. They are trapped by a lie. They have fallen into their self-righteousness and self-centeredness. Their humanism has come to the front and they will not let go of it. I mean, what more does God need to do to get their attention? They repented not of the works of their hands. Humanism. Self-righteousness. Whatever you want to call it. Pride. That they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood. Which can neither see nor hear nor walk. What does this tell me? It tells me that even in this day 
when it's clear as clear can be that the one true God is dealing with the world. All they need to do is go and find the scriptures and they'll see it there. Even in that time, men are still fashioning lumps of wood and lumps of stone and carving them up and bowing before them and asking them to intervene and help them. How much must that grieve the heart of God to see that even through this, men still trust in dumb and worthless idols? It really is unbelievable. But that's the heart of man. Deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Half the world dead. One third of the earth's vegetation. You know, the, the waters are polluted. You know, it's fallen apart. The, the, the third of the day is gone. They're in more darkness than there is light. Things have changed in the topological nature of the world. All these things are happening. There's this tormenting of men for five months and everything else that comes after it. The fire, the smoke, the brimstone. People are dying left, right and center and yet they're still falling and bowing before false gods and saying, save me, save me, Satan. Shame on them. Shame on them. God is trying to get their attention. But their attentions are firmly fixed elsewhere. They're up to their neck in their idolatry. Not only that, verse 21, neither repent the day of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor their fornication, nor of their thefts. These are the natural outworkings of idolatry. This is where it leads. This is the outworkings of the human heart being put upon a pedestal. When men come up with their own plans instead of doing things God's way, they fall into murders. You know, it's going to be horrific. I mean, you're going to, people are going to be looking for food. And they're not going to care. If you watch any of these kind of apocalyptic movies, the one principle that the movie world has got right is that when the chips are down, sinful man will always take care of himself. And the worst of human nature will come out. At this time. Sorceries there is the word pharmacia. We don't need to talk too much about that. What they won't let go of the, the drugs, the potions, the pills, the occult. Nor of their fornication. Again, that's from the Greek word porn, pornography. You know, they can't find time to repent, but they can find time for their perversion. This is humanity. Without the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man shall come again. And remember, these conditions in the tribulation period were building to that. It's not like we go from a very God-honoring, civilized world where there are morals and everybody looks after each other and everybody's worshiping God and we're all getting on to suddenly overnight into this depth of depravity at the tribulation period. No, no. Humanity has been on this course. Scripture's clear in that. Paul is especially clear in that. 
that it's coming and it will build and it will build. And when we get to the tribulation period, it is the manifestation of that. And we have this sorceries, fornications, theft. There's, there's every man for himself still fulfilling the desires of the flesh, not given over to the spirit. No matter what the conditions, man will follow man unless God moves in the heart of that man. These people, caught up in their sin and their self-reveling, still don't turn to God. That's the sixth trumpet, the second woe. Now, let me say, well, you said there was three woes. There is. But, as I said at the start, these judgments are telescopic. We have the seal judgments. Six actual judgments on the earth. Then the seventh is the opening of the trumpet judgments. We've had six trumpet judgments. The seventh trumpet, the third woe, will unleash the vile judgments or the bold judgments, which are the worst. Can it get any worse? Yes, it can. It can. But before we get there in the chronology of things, we've been brought up to this point. The the seventh trumpet is about to be trumpeted. This is uh, the midpoint of the tribulation period. So we've gone through the first three and a half years of 